it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to a new episode of Podcast on the Brink. Recording this on Wednesday night. March 8th, Indiana, set to tip off Big Ten tournament play on Friday night. Uh, The opponent, obviously not known at this point, could play Maryland, could play Nebraska, could play Minnesota. Still up in the air. Indiana won't know until late Thursday night who they're going to play. On this week's episode of Podcast on the Brink, happy to be joined by an old friend, Justin Albers. believe Justin was the second student that we had right for inside the hall started with us all the way back in 2011 2011 12 2012 13 seasons uh he worked with us hasn't been in uh the business now for several years but we've we've brought him back into the fray for the stretch run of this iu season with ryan Carraza currently out on maternity leave justin has been writing the minute after justin Welcome back to Podcast on the Brink. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Alex. It's it's a uh, it's great to be back and go back to the roots. Yeah, I mean, you you guys really gave me my opportunity and start way back in the day, and the career has taken me in a different direction, but it's not taken me, you know, completely away from paying attention to IU hoops. So, um, when when you and I talked about about Ryan and the opportunity to come back for a short period. It was uh, definitely enticing and, and it's been a real pleasure to do it, you know, over the last month or so. So what, just in the big picture, watching, you know, you're obviously not at games. I think you, you actually went to a game this season, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, at Assembly Hall, but you obviously watch the games. You've been watching them maybe a little more closely these past couple weeks, what have just been your overall impressions of this IU basketball season? Really uh, thinking back to when we first started covering the team for inside the hall, 2007, 2008 season, I believe was our first uh, season. And there's not been uh, a long history, obviously of, of success for the, for, for IU basketball. And this is one of the, the better years uh, over that time period. Uh, in general, but but Justin, just kind of your thoughts on this season, uh, how the Hoosiers are playing, and kind of how they're set up right now, uh, headed into postseason play. Yeah, I mean, you and I got to cover 
you know, two of maybe the better seasons over the last, you know, 20 years together with the, you know, the, the Tom Crean, Oladipo, Zeller teams, um, the preseason number one team, the team that was a number one seed in the tournament, two back-to-back Sweet 16 runs. I mean, I'll be quite honest with you, during the Archie Miller years, uh, I kind of faded away from the program in terms of, it was just hard for me to watch. Uh, and when they brought Woodson back, I've been tuned in, you know, intently to every game. Um, this season, you know, like you said, it's it's been one of the better ones over the last decade for sure. Um, the ability to bring Trace Jackson Davis back for another year was obviously a big get and Race Thompson for a sixth year. But, uh, you know, for the first time, I can remember in recent memory bringing in a freshman class where uh, somebody, at least one of the the freshmen, contribute in a major way. And Jalen Huchifino, you know, Malik Renew has had his moments for sure, and and Caleb Banks has played more of late. But I think that's been uh, really unique to see the combination of you know the extreme veteran side with Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, and then you have the real youngsters and and Jalen Hood Shafino, even though they may leave Indiana at the same time, you know, that kind of combination has been interesting. Um, I've seen the the team really grow up this year. I I remember back in the Xavier game in the non-conference season, thinking immediately after that game, that's not a game Indiana wins in the past three, four, five years. Um, you know, they had it and, and then they fell behind and just the grit to grind it out um, stuck with me. And and during the Big Ten season, we've seen that time and time again with this Indiana team, even when, you know, they're not playing the prettiest of basketball, shots aren't falling, you know, uh, the bench isn't contributing. They found ways to win games against what has really been a highly competitive Big Ten this year, um, you can debate back and forth whether it's a bunch of average teams that will dissipate very quickly in the postseason or if it's a bunch of very competitive teams just beating each other up or some combination thereof. But regardless, you know, a lot of these games Indiana has won this year are games they would not have won uh, in the past. And, and it just to me, is a sign of a mentally strong team, a resilient team. The margin of error is obviously slim, but um, they're, they've always been fun to watch in the same way that they were fun to watch last year in Woodson's first year. As the year went on, they got better, uh, obviously beat a really good Illinois team in the Big Ten tournament, won a play-in game in the, in the NCAAs before losing the St. Mary's. I think they kind of built on that. And their persona is one that I think Indiana fans can get behind of, uh, you know, a defensive first team, resilient, and and the way that they've won games is, is just kind of different for me. So um, heading into this Big Ten tournament, at, you know, as a three seed, they could have been anywhere from two to eight heading into that last game. Um, you know, I like their chances in this tournament, which you don't often say about an Indiana team heading into a Big Ten tournament. I'm curious just from somebody who covered the team for as long as you did, you obviously covered mostly uh, the Tom Crean era, uh, and then you mentioned kind of 
you know, you're an IU grad, so you you obviously f- still wanted to follow the program, but kind of dipping out there a little bit during the Archie Miller years and then coming back in, uh, you know, as basically as a, just an observer uh, to watch the last couple of years uh, of Mike Woodson. What was it about the Woodson hire that piqued your interest in terms of getting back engaged with the program? It was interesting because when his name was floated as a potential candidate at the time, I didn't love it. Um, and then I became more in love with it as the process went on because I saw that a long-standing issue in the Indiana fan base may be resolved. The old fan base in the Bob Knight era and the newer fan base, I feel like, had been divided for a long time. And that wasn't going to reconcile itself. Certainly, Tom Crean was not going to, to change that. And Archie Miller was not going to change that. But Mike Woodson, having played for Knight, having succeeded under Knight, coming back and coaching a modern team with his NBA experience really bridged that gap. And, and it was interesting to me, too, from the standpoint, you know, it's kind of been a trend hiring former players hiring, you know, guys that have been involved in the NBA in college, but his experience at that level should be attractive and I think has been attractive to players, you know, that, hey, I've seen what it takes to succeed on this level. You're not there yet. And kind of that brutal honesty that, you know, I know he's had with Trace Jackson Davis and I'm I'm sure with many other players is something that I think young kids need and probably want, but uh, in an era where kids transfer all the time and, you know, maybe don't want to be patient and sit behind a guy for a year, he's kind of, you know, somewhere in between, kind of like the Deion Sanders on the football side where he's going to be brutally honest with you. And in most scenarios the players have liked what they've heard because they know he knows what he's talking about and he can help them get to the next level so you know that's good from a player development standpoint but from a university standpoint you know it's great to bring back a former player that has that kind of experience and you know i think really the biggest thing was bridging the gap in the fan base and bringing you know two sides together that had no reason really to be divided. You know, it's a great Indiana fan base and Woodson's ability to connect those two sides, I think, uh, really, really turned it for me. One thing I've been thinking about lately is just Trace Jackson Davis and the career that he's put together at Indiana. Obviously, uh, in our time on the beat, we've covered some really good players, Cody Zeller, Victor Oladipo. I mean, Eric Gordon was the first year we did inside the hall. Obviously, we weren't going to games at that point, but still writing about the team. Uh, he, you know, he's a he's a guy that a lot of people remember. Yogi Ferrell is another one. Um, just from a historical context, really, in the last you know 15, 20 years, Trace Jackson Davis is no doubt uh, one of the the better players to put on an Indiana uniform. The one thing that that really has been elusive. Uh, in his career, and, and he has a chance to change that, is winning in the postseason or you know, or putting some type of banner, whether that be a Big Ten tournament banner, um, which Indiana's never won the Big Ten tournament, or um, you know, making a, a tournament run, having a chance to go to a Final Four and play for a national championship. That would obviously cement him 
uh, or cement his legacy uh, at IU, but he's already going to be remembered as a great player. How how do you think Trace Jackson Davis should be viewed um, by the fan base in terms of great players to ever put on the uniform? Obviously, he's ranked uh, highly on the scoring list, and he's the program's all-time leading rebounder, the all-time uh, leading shot, uh, shot blocker. Uh, he's always been a model citizen on and off the floor every time you know, that I've ever talked to him. It's just been really a, a pleasure uh, to interact with him. And he just seems like such a great kid. I'm just kind of curious from, from your perspective. And, you know, you've obviously covered some of the the same players that, that I have uh, in, in on your time uh, on the beat. Where, where does Trace st- stack up for you? Um, maybe in, not, not to rank him, but I'm just kind of curious where, where he should, you know, how he, his legacy should be remembered by you fans. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I think, number one, he represents Indiana in the best way possible, which is, you know, really all you can ask out of your star player. And, you know, the culture piece of that, having a really good kid in a position where he's the best player on the team at a university where basketball matters is really important because we've seen that during our time kind of go sideways when that hasn't been instilled or in place. You know, the the transition from the holes of Oladipo, Sheehy era, into the start of the Yogi, you know, Hunter Perea, those type of guys era. There was some drop off, and and I think most of that was culture related. So, you know, number one, he's a great human being, um, but I think I think he should rank highly, you know, because he represents what I think college basketball should be about. A guy that could have gone to the NBA uh, and, and probably, you know, a lot of guys in his position would have entered their name to the draft, whether he was going to be a, you know, a first round or second round pick, uh, probably a second round pick. You know, a lot of guys still, still enter the draft nowadays. Uh, He chose to come back not once, but twice. And I think, you know, that's something that, that has been lost in college basketball Um, uh, from a, a player standpoint, he's really interesting in the fact that he's done everything that he's done without really ever adding anything offensively to his game that's outside of the paint. Um, you know, p- people debate this all the time about should he have added a mid-range jumper or, you know, stepped out and shot. And I think probably given, you know, our experience knowing Tom Crean, if Crean would have been the coach now, Jackson Davis is probably shooting threes at least a couple of games. You know, that's just the style he was. But Trace has found a way to impact college basketball at the highest level without really leaving the paint, which is really, when you think about it, remarkable. And I I, I know there's a debate amongst IU fans about whether, you know, the player development is, is what it should be at IU and whether Trace has developed as a player in the way that, you know, maybe Victor did when he was at IU. And I think, you know, it may not be as clear, but, you know, for example, the ability for Trace, he's added, he can take a rebound and lead a fast break. He's a great passer without ever outletting the ball. That's not something he had in his game last year or the year before, and that's an NBA skill. You know, you look at guys not to compare him, but like Nikola Jokic and the way the game is played in the NBA now, uh, 
a big guy that can grab the ball and go is so valuable in basketball. And he's added that to his game. So while he may not have added a jump shot or, you know, things of that nature, he certainly improved his free throw shooting. He can do that uh, in terms of running the break and, and with his passing, but um, you know, his defense cannot be denied, you know, his shot blocking the way he impacts a team. And then just the person he is as a leader. Um, I, I think those culture things are more important than maybe people think about and having a guy there for that long, that's your best player and that good of a person really matters. So I, I'd put him, you know, you said not to rank him, so I won't, but I'd, I'd put him, you know, high up there on the list from the guys I've seen over the last decade. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. When you look at this Indiana team for the postseason and what's coming up, obviously the the cliche thing that everybody will say is it's all about matchups. And it's true because, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on the draw, even in the Big Ten tournament. You know, there's there's certain teams that Indiana is going to be better equipped to face in the Big Ten tournament. And the same thing will be uh, the case when the NCAA tournament bracket comes out uh, this weekend. Um, Obviously, a lot of excitement um, amongst the fan base to see how the weekend goes with the Big Ten tournament and to see who Indiana is going to play in the NCAA tournament. What type of team in the tournament do you feel like is maybe the the type of team that Indiana uh, least wants to see? Uh, If you need a second to think about this, I'll just kind of give you my, my, my big picture thought on it. A team that shoots the ball well from the perimeter, I feel like is uh, a potential issue for Indiana just based on the fact that they don't take a large volume of threes. And I know a lot of that's by design. They're a better three-point shooting team this season from a percentage perspective, but they're still not a high-volume three-point shooting team. And if you have a team that that you face, say like a Penn State uh, in the Big Ten tournament, that's a team that Indiana could potentially play. You know Penn State's going to take a ton of threes. In the NCAA tournament, it's the same thing. You could have a team that can come out and make 10 or 12 threes. I think that's potentially a problem for Indiana. What, you know, from just a matchup standpoint, do you think are the are the biggest things that Indiana would want to uh, avoid from an opponent uh, when the draw comes out? Yeah, I think that's certainly true, but I'd even go bigger picture and just say a really good offensive team. You know, I, I think... Indiana, if you look at their schedule, 
you know, you see a lot of teams in the Big Ten this year that I think really struggle to score down the stretch. You look at Rutgers, Northwestern, Michigan, Maryland, all these teams, they're not great offensively. The team really in the Big Ten that is good offensively, you know, you mentioned Penn State who beat IU, but also Iowa, you know, would probably be the class of the Big Ten in terms of offensive and and scoring, and IU struggled against them both times. Um, Arizona, a team in the non-conference that I think can really score it, uh, gave them problems as well. So that's really where I think they could run into problems because I think their defense is, is strong enough that if they're locked in and really, you know, connected and playing like we've seen them for the most part play over the last six to eight weeks, they can be in a game and potentially win it late. They've proven that time and time again. Uh, but I don't think they're a great offensive team, and they they have limited weapons when it comes to offense. So a team that can really score it, uh, that will run away from them or not allow them to stick around, I, I think will will give them a lot of problems. You know that uh, that's kind of broad in terms of you know, offensive teams, but the Big Ten has been a league that's really a grinded out league uh, this year in particular, and Indiana's won a lot of those games, but when they've played teams that can really score, uh, especially late in games, they've they've struggled. So that would be that would be my pick. And I think that kind of matches up fairly well when you look at the top teams in the NCAA tournament. They're not necessarily high octane offenses. You know, Kansas can score. I use seeing them, but you know, their defense is probably stronger. Um Alabama would really give them problems, I think, but Houston is really a defensive team that could be a, a grinded out game. So I think, you know, teams like Iowa, teams that can really score it and have some kind of balance on defense uh a little more than Iowa would would be teams IU does not want to see on their side of the bracket. You mentioned the um you know the limited options offensively. And I, I think that's one of the things you look at this Indiana team. Obviously they've got pros and Trey Jackson Davis and Jalen Hutchifino. But then you look down the roster and you know you got Miller Cop, you got Trey Galloway, you got Race Thompson. These are all guys that are capable on a given night of giving you 10 to 15 points, but it's not a consistent thing. And then I think the other thing when you look down the roster even further at the bench, you know, it's been something that I've, you know, I've been writing about a lot, been mentioning a lot in five takeaways, been tweeting about it. Just the lack of consistency in the development of the bench, I think has put even more pressure on guys like Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino to show up every night and have big games. How concerned are you about Indiana's lack of production from its bench uh, entering the tournament? And is this a situation now where the production that Indiana is getting from that part of its team is, is kind of is what it is. And Mike Woodson's just going to have to ride his, you know, his top players as much as possible and hope for the best when, when tournament play gets here. Very concerned. And I think, that's absolutely the case. You know, who are you going to trust if it, if, you know, it's a five point game, three minutes left in a tournament game. Is he going to run out Geronimo or Tamar Bates or Caleb Banks? He's not. 
Um, and, and I think if they can just get one of those guys off the bench that Woodson's comfortable enough to put in there, uh, even you know for a, a six or seven minute run in the first half or early in the second half, that would be a huge win. You know, if Tamar Bates is making shots, if Geronimo, who really I thought played well during the time that Ray Thompson was out with his knee injury, um, but has has obviously struggled with it, with his own injuries and been out lately. Um, he brings a lot of energy. So if you can just get one of those guys on a given night, I think you'll be okay in, in a setting where, you know, unlike the regular season, you might play two games in a weekend and then have four days off. You know, I, I think the bench can be overblown. I think where it becomes an issue is with Xavier Johnson being out for the year, you really only have two real ball handlers and Trey Galloway and, and Hood Shafino. And Unfortunately, those guys have gotten into a habit of picking up fouls early in the game. You know, the way Galloway plays as a defensive stalwart and, you know, really aggressive, he's going to get into foul trouble. Uh, Hood Chafino really has got to stay out of foul trouble going forward. He's gotten into this habit of picking up a, a cheap foul in the first half that get, get him two, and then he goes to the bench. And if they don't have those two guys, like, who would you say is their third primary ball handler if they had had to pick one after those two guys? You know, it's probably yeah, Trace. They, right. They don't have one. So, you know, I think that's a big issue because everybody talks about the tournament and the postseason being uh, all, a lot about guard play. And Indiana's guards, you know, Galloway and, and Cop have been really good. But Ball handling wise, you have, you know, IU has been susceptible to, you know, half court, full court pressure all year. And if you don't have those guys in there to to break it, you know, things could could turn on them in a real way, even with uh, how much Trey Jackson Davis brings to the game. So that that's probably my biggest concern is is one or both of those guys getting into foul trouble like they did against Michigan, but even worse. Um, and, you know, scoring-wise, you mentioned, uh, you know, there's not a lot of depth there in terms of scoring. It's really been on Trace and um, Jalen for most of the season. And Cop and Galloway for the stretch one run have really had to play really well and make their open shots just to get them to a one or two point win. And they'll have to continue to do that, but, but they have to find a fifth guy. Uh, Race was that guy the other night, played really well against Michigan. But, you know, Tamar Bates, you know, it's it's hard to believe he's going to suddenly find the the scoring range given um, what he's done over his last 15 games. But, you know, you need somebody else. And I don't know who that's going to be, but I think if they could just get one more guy, that would go a long way in helping them, you know, make a potential Sweet 16 run. Yeah, I mean, they need Bates to do something like he did against Michigan, right? I mean, he didn't necessarily shoot the ball well from a percentage standpoint, but he came in and made two threes. That's the kind of thing that you need to maybe just push you over the top because these tournament games, um, I'm not as worried about the fatigue factor because there's adrenaline when you get to the tournament and there's also a ton of 
TV timeouts that are a little bit longer because you get into the NCAA tournament and the commercial breaks are a little bit longer. These guys are going to have plenty of chance throughout the game uh, to 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 get a little bit of a break. I mean, Trace has been logging crazy minutes all season long. Uh, he's not coming off the floor unless he absolutely has to. Same thing with the other guys. I agree with your point too on the on the foul trouble. You just have to stay solid and not pick up silly fouls like Malik Renew. One reason he's been uh, unable to play in so many games is he'll commit a foul ninety four feet away from the basket. You know, off of a the guy's clearly got the rebound. He just needs to run back on defense instead. He's reaching and trying to poke the ball loose. That's the kind of stuff that you really just can't have. Uh, from your bench, and that's something that needs to be cleaned up, obviously, going forward. In terms of the the debate, which I guess there really wasn't a debate because Zach Eady won pretty convincingly in terms of Big Ten Player of the Year, where did you just where did you come down on on the, the Eady versus Jackson Davis conversation for Big Ten Player of the Year? I didn't have a vote, but I, I probably would have given it uh, to Eady just by a, by a hair based on the fact that Purdue – uh, won the Big Ten outright by three games. I, you know, I know a lot of people like to cite the head-to-head matchups this season. Indiana beating them twice, but you also have to factor in the fact that he was the best player on the team uh, that also won the Big Ten uh, by three games. Yeah, just real quick before I answer that question, I think to your last point, somebody just has to make shots for Indiana. It can be Cop, it can be Galloway, it could be Bates. Somebody has to make shots to open up the lane. Nobody was making shots early against Michigan, and that really crowded Trace and Race inside. Once Cop, you know, f- found the range and Bates made a couple of threes, then you had the high-low action that was, you know, two-on-two where IU really thrives. So it, I don't know that it matters who it is. You you play hard defense like Bates and Cop did on on Sunday, and then you have somebody has to make shots to spread the floor. Uh, on Edie Jackson Davis, you know, I, I think you had to give it to Edie for his body of work, you know, non-conference on. I think if it was Big Ten play only, you know, you, you probably have really close to a 50-50 split with Jackson Davis, and, and probably I would have given it to him just with Big Ten play, but given who Purdue beat in the non-conference, how ED played in those games. You know, I think you had to give it to him, but I think I saw on Twitter, you posted that in any normal year, Jackson Davis wins this award. And I think that's true. Um, You know, what he did this year, especially down the stretch run, how many minutes he played uh, was just incredible. Something we've not seen from an Indiana player in a while, but I do think Edie, Edie deserved it. Um, and, and that kind of brings us into the coach of the year debate, which, you know, I'll, I'll turn things around and ask you a question because I know uh, your tweet about Chris Collins from Northwestern winning coach of the year got uh, quite a bit of play on Twitter. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? And, and who do you think should have won? Well, obviously, I think Matt Painter should have won. Uh, and that's not to take anything away. It, this is not. Uh, bashed Chris Collins, you know, opinion or Chris Collins didn't do a great job. I think the fact that Northwestern has not been good now for this is the first time they've been good in six seasons um, had a lot to do with the fact uh, with the the reasoning why they were picked so low in the league. I mean, how, where else would Northwestern have been picked in the preseason based on their recent history? 
So just because they outperform their preseason ranking to me doesn't justify picking him over a coach whose team was picked fifth to win the league, but won the league outright by three games. Also lost Travion Williams, Jaden Ivey, and Sasha Stefanovic off last year's team. And you can say that he had the player of the year on his team, but look at what Zach Eady was as a player when he came to Purdue and look at the player he is now. I think Matt Painter has to have uh, played somewhat of a, a role in that development of him as a player. So, you know, I think Chris Collins obviously should be commended for the job that he did. He really uh, turned Northwestern around this season. I think they're a great story. Uh, I think most big, you know, when you get to the tournament and the NCAA tournament, Big Ten programs root for each other and, and people will be hoping that Northwestern can get in there and have a chance to win a, a couple of games in advance. But if we're talking about the coach who did the best job, I think you have to give it to the guy whose team won the league outright by three games um, and also had the player of the year on his team that he had a big hand in developing. Yeah, I mean, for the record, I agree with you. I think absolutely it's Painter. I think he was prob- probably hurt by the fact that they immediately kind of rose to the national scene in that, you know, early season tournament. So th- it felt like, you know, probably to the casual voter that they were a top 10, top five team all year long when really, you know, that wasn't the case in the offseason. They're bringing in these freshman guards. They're shuffling things around, losing people. Um, so I, th- I think the fact that probably to some people that voted, it felt like they were number one the whole year and just stayed there and it didn't warrant it. Um, but Painter, you know, I think is one of the best coaches in the year uh, in the in the country and certainly, uh, you know, deserve this award this year. Um, but, you know, Chris Collins has done a good job. Uh, if he deserved coach of the year, I would just say. I think his team should have better than fifth place odds in Vegas to win the Big Ten Tournament Championship. Just saying. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Yeah, speaking of the Big Ten Tournament, what... what- if the first game is going on right now as we record this. Ohio State and Wisconsin are playing really a game that Wisconsin can't afford to lose. But there's obviously some bubble implications uh, this this tournament. I mean, you got Penn State, you've got Rutgers, you've got Michigan, you've got Wisconsin, all teams that have tournament aspirations. So I think of the major conference tournaments from a bubble perspective, this is, you know, the league that has kind of the most riding on this event. What are you looking for? Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of weird, you know, Indiana is going to play the ninth game in the Big Ten tournament. There's going to be obviously two games tonight, four on Thursday, and then they'll play three more on Friday before Indiana actually tips off. So a lot of the teams will already be out of there by the time Indiana uh, tips off. What what What's most intriguing to you about this whole weekend? Uh, what, what teams do you like to advance? And um, just... From an IU perspective, do you, is there a, a real chance that this team goes to Sunday and actually wins the thing? Yeah, I think just, you know, 
the competitiveness of all these games is intriguing because who would have thought Ohio State Wisconsin is a Wednesday night 13-12 matchup you know that that is kind of crazy when you think about it um and I think the Rutgers Michigan game is is really intriguing a lot of people see that as kind of a uh, a winner go home type type game certainly for Michigan I think some people have Rutgers still in the field but um, Michigan, I, I haven't seen in as many uh, brackets, but I do think they're a better team. Um, I really have no idea who's going to win the championship, and and that's that's intriguing to me as well. The fact that it's so wide open, you know, Purdue is is clearly the best team and has been all year long, but Michigan State's played really well. You know, I really like. Michigan State going into March, whether it's in this tournament or, or beyond it, they've really gotten better better guard play and and Izzo really has them has them going in March like he always does. Um from an Indiana standpoint, you know, I, I think if this if, if there was a year for them to get to the title and win it, I think they've only been to one Big Ten tournament championship game and in the tournament's history and lost it, this would be the year because, you know, things lined up really well for them. They would play, you know, either the last place team in the league in Minnesota, Nebraska, who they already beat by, by 20 plus points or Maryland who they lost to, but really, really struggles when they're not at home. Um, and, and the odds kind of bear that out. When you look at the, the Vegas odds, there's, you know, I think IU has two times of a better shot to win the tournament odds-wise than, than Maryland does. So um, this would be the year. They would have to go through probably Maryland and probably Northwestern, but you couldn't rule out. You know, I really like Penn State as a sleeper in this tournament and and beyond because, like you said earlier, they have the shooting, they have the star power, they can isolate, and, and they can really get hot. So I, I think you know, as a 10 seed in the Big Ten tournament, I think a lot of people have them in uh, to March regardless, but, you know, certainly they'd like to win that game against Illinois. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I wouldn't pick Indiana to win the tournament just because I've watched the Big Ten tournament for a lot of years and I've never seen them win the Big Ten tournament. But if there was a year, this would be it. Justin, it's been uh, it's been great to have you back writing uh, for Inside the Hall. Thanks for uh, for being willing uh, to step in here while Ryan's out. Uh, we really appreciate it. Also, good to have you back on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed uh, coming back uh, and talking some IU hoops this week. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Before we go, I got to get your pick for the Big Ten tournament. You can't can't hold me to it and and not pick one your own. Yeah, I mean, I, in the preview that I wrote, uh, I said. Pr- Purdue had the best path and you know a, a lot of people like Michigan State coming into the, this tournament I I just don't see I looked at the bracket and the teams that gave Indy or gave Purdue the most trouble uh in the regular season of the Big 10 are all mostly in the bottom half of the bracket uh, that's Indiana side of the bracket so I you know I I see uh a potential problem for Purdue on Friday against Michigan uh because I think Michigan's going to be super motivated to get a win that can push them into the field but if they can get past that game 
I like them uh, to beat either uh, probably Iowa or Michigan State uh, if they get both get that far. I think those are those are two teams that uh, Purdue matches up pretty well against. Uh, so I'll, I'll uh, go with the chalk pick, and Purdue to me has uh, the best chance to do it. They, and I think they're going to be motivated from the standpoint of uh, a lot of the brackets now kind of have them as the final number one seed or maybe even on the two line if they can get to Sunday and win, maybe they reestablish themselves, particularly with UCLA's injury news and maybe some other teams falling in their conference tournaments. Uh, these games could actually mean something for Purdue uh, to get that number one seed. So I'll go with Purdue. I mean, even Rutgers could beat them. I mean, they've had a lot of success against Purdue this year and in the past. So that 8-9 right. is kind of a tough draw for them, but um, yeah, we yeah. saw it last year that the number one seed went down on Friday as Indiana beat Illinois. So it, anything can happen. Um, but the flip side of that also is, you know, Indiana could potentially have to go through, you know, Maryland, which we've already seen Maryland beat Indiana, uh, Penn State, Penn State, we've already seen beat Indiana and Illinois. Uh, Indiana's already beat them twice. I know that a lot of people say it's hard to beat a team three times. I don't know if that's actually true based on the statistics but i know illinois has a lot of talent so it's not gonna be an easy path for any of these teams and, and we're also uh i also forgot to even mention northwestern because they're down there too with indiana they've already beat indiana twice so it's not going to be easy for anybody to get there whoever gets to sunday is, is going to have earned it and in a lot of ways I, I don't know how important it is to actually win the conference tournament because i know iowa i believe won it last year and then came out and lost i believe in the first game of the ncaa tournament so uh, you know, for if you if you're if you're already uh, a lock to make the tournament, um, you know maybe uh, it's better to go home and get the extra rest. I have no idea uh, what what ultimately uh, matters the most. I think like once once the big bracket comes out, uh, it's just to me uh, about how the styles of play kind of match up. And I think early on, uh, there's not going to be many teams uh, that match up well with Trace Jackson Davis. But obviously, anything can happen. Indiana is probably going to be in that like three, four, five seed range. And that's where upsets do happen uh, at times. So uh, it, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun uh, to follow. Uh, for sure. the, I know we have to go, but you know, that's really why this tournament matters for IU. I think is that four or five seeding area is difficult just in the teams that you'd have to play in the second and third rounds. If they mm -hmm. could win, uh, one or two games and try and get to that three line. I think that makes a big difference. Uh, I don't see them falling out of the four or five range. Um, last question before for you before you go. Do you see this? Because almost every bracket outside of Purdue and Indiana, who are top four seeds, you know, the teams, it, a lot of teams projected to make it, but not higher really than a seven seed. Do you see this as a year where the Big Ten makes noise, or do you see this as a as a year where a lot of these teams, you know, are fairly average? They beat up on each other and they bounce out fairly early. I mean, it's hard to say because I don't really love any of the teams um, that are going to be in that are seated. I mean, I, you know, Northwestern's obviously a great story, but do I trust them when the bracket comes out to actually advance? I, a lot of it's obviously going to depend on who they play, but I, I wouldn't project them to to make a deep run. I mean, Rutgers at this point, we don't even know if they're going to make it, and the, the wheels have really fallen off there. Michigan State, I think, has a chance to advance, but I the one thing about them that I don't 
necessarily love is they don't seem to have like a star player that can just take over. I mean, they've got good players uh, like Tyson Walker, uh, AJ Hogard, uh, Malik Hall, uh, Hauser. You know, those are all solid players, but they're not stars. And and when you get into a tournament uh, situation, you kind of need a, a go-to guy. And I don't know if Michigan State has that. I think Iowa, I mean, I, you know, do you trust Farron McCaffrey when the tournament actually starts? He had Keegan Murray on his team last year, won the Big Ten tournament, and then lost uh, in the opening game, I believe, of the NCAA tournament. Hard to trust Iowa. The one team I will say, if they can get in, uh, that I do think has a chance to do damage is Michigan. Uh, they did it last year where they they had that late surge and got in and went to the Sweet 16 with Hunter Dickinson and Kobe Bufkin um, and Jed Howard. They've got some guys that can do some things, and they played really well here down the stretch. I mean, they could have won either game uh, last week at Illinois. They go to double overtime, and at Indiana, uh, they they went to overtime, ultimately lose that game. So if they can come out and and get a win against Rutgers and and maybe beat Purdue uh, and get in the field, they're a team that I would definitely not want to play. Yeah, two lottery picks on that team. I think my my choice would be either Michigan team. I, I really have a feeling Michigan State is a is a second weekend team. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I really like Hogart. I really like you know the team that Izzo's put together here. They're they don't have a star like you said, but I feel like they're they're fairly well balanced and they've hit their stride here late in the year. But uh, no, we got to go. So I just want to say everybody listening to this podcast already knows, but inside the halls an institution and it's been a a real pleasure to to come back and reconnect with you and and with the audience again so thanks for the opportunity absolutely it's been awesome uh to have you back justin and it's obviously not over you're you're still doing the minute after so hopefully many more pieces uh to come from that the rest of the season as for podcast on the brink we'll be back next week at some point with another episode depending on I guess we'll see what happens with the bracket reveal on Sunday where Indiana is going to go um, and who they're going to play when the game's going to be. We'll, we'll have some type of, of episode last week, but hard to our next week, hard to tell you when exactly that's going to be. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating on Spotify, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Podcast on the Brink. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.